Amen and good morning. Welcome to worship on this beautiful Sunday morning. It is wonderful to see all of you who are here and to those who are worshiping with us online. Good morning and welcome to all of you. And so first, friends, the peace of Christ be with you all. And now let's also take a moment to turn around and to greet the people on the camera, say hello, and then greet one another as well. And now we do have a couple of announcements for you. So I don't know if John wants to come forward and announce because we have something very important happening this Friday that we need all of your attention for because it is an important event. So with all of that said, here you go, John. All right. That was a great lead up. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, so as you probably know by now, our chicken barbecue is this Friday from 4 to 7 p.m., um, after worship today, I do need to give a final pre-sale count. So if you have not yet purchased your tickets, you can either do so online or for those of you who are worshiping in person, I'll be selling tickets in Cook Hall in between services. Uh, but today is the last day to buy tickets in person, otherwise online, otherwise day of the event and day of the event that the prices do go up. So we look forward to seeing you all there. Thank you. Thank you. And make sure to tell your neighbors. I mean, as I said, you know, my least favorite thing to do is cook dinner because I don't know, I'm a terrible cook. And so if you're like me and you would rather just purchase dinner and then support the church, it's such a wonderful thing. Also, if you did not get a copy of our Zionite, I'm not sure if there are extra copies in the overflow room, but I know that there are in the office and I will grab them out after the service. Make sure that you grab a copy of the Zionite. See what's going on in the church. There's a new thing that we started in the Zionite, thanks to Lori for a good idea. And there's little bios and every month there's going to be bios about different lay leaders. And it's such a wonderful thing. And because if you think about it, within the last couple of years, we have gained so many wonderful church members and throughout the two services. So sometimes we don't know who everybody is because maybe you go to nine and they go to, to 11. And there's also, ever since the pandemic started, you know, there's so much more disconnect. So it's a wonderful way to get to know other church members. So make sure to grab one of those and to give it a read, see what is going on. Also, consistory meets this Tuesday. So we're going to make some more ideas and some more changes for everything. So uh, be ready for an email from me regarding consistory this week. And I believe that that is it for us announcements. And so now let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we turn to you this morning, Lord, and we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless us with your spirit and with your power as we worship you in this place or from home, wherever we are. Bless us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Stand with us and sing. We're here to worship. We're here to sing your praise. We're here to love you. We're here to seek your face. Oh God, let your life fill this place. 
here to worship, we're here to bless your name, we're here to honor our Lord and gracious King, O oh God, be enthroned in our praise. O oh God, hear our cries, so come and shower down your love, come and meet us with your touch. We yield our hearts, give you our thoughts. We're here for only you, oh God. We're here to worship, we're here to sing your praise, we're here to love you, we're here to seek your face, oh God. Let your life fill this place. to worship. We're here to bless your name. We're here to honor our Lord and gracious King. Oh God, be enthroned in our praise. Oh God, hear our cries. So come and shower down your love. Come and meet us with your touch. We yield our hearts, give you our thoughts. We're here for only you, oh God. So come and shower down your love. Come and meet us with your touch. We yield our hearts, give you our thoughts. We're here for only you, oh God. Amen, and please be seated. And now, friends, let us light this candle and pray for peace. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we light this candle as a symbol of your light in this world. We light this candle, Lord, and we pray for peace. We pray for your peace that surpasses all human understanding. We pray for your peace to prevail on earth. We pray for your peace to allow us to all see one another as beloved siblings in Christ. We pray this all through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And together we say, Amen. Hi, Bernie, and good morning, kids. Brother, I just went onto Google and searched for pictures of dogs, and you are not going to believe what I found. What did you find, Bernie? I found this dog. Take a look. Isn't she cute? That is one cute dog, and it's pretty small, too. Yes, it's called a teacup dog. It can fit inside of a teacup. Or at least it could when it was a puppy. I don't even think my own nose could fit inside of a teacup. And then, brother, look at this dog. He's huge. He seriously weighs as much as a baby elephant. That's one big great dame. 
And then, brother, you've got to see this dog. This is a sheepdog called a Commodore. It has the thickest hair out of any dog. That poor dog must be so warm in the summer. Wow, and I thought we were furry. I know it. All of these dogs are completely different. And yet they're all dogs, just like us. Yes, they are. That reminds me of our God. Do you know that we have one God, and yet God is present with us in three different ways? First, God is the creator. God created the entire universe. Second, God is revealed to us in Jesus, who lived and died and rose again. And third, God is always with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives among us and is always with us. That's really cool. I love that God is always with us through the Holy Spirit. That makes me happy. I'm glad it does, and hopefully it brings the kids comfort too. God is always with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you want to know something cool? Sure. What is it? Do you know what dog spelt backwards spells? It spells God. Dog backwards is God. Dog and God are the same letters. Maybe that's why we know so much about God. Um, maybe. But let's get back on track. Kids, our God loves us and cares for us. And that's why Jesus came to live among the people and show them a better way to live. And that's why the Holy Spirit promises to never leave us. So we are always in the presence of our God. Wow, we have such a loving God. A God who's revealed to us in three ways. It's just amazing. My mind is blown. It's all such good news. Well, kids, I hope you learned something new today. I know I did. And I hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you next week. Bye, kids. Bye, kids. See you next week. Please join me in today's litany from Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Let the people say, Lord, you are my rock and my salvation. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. Let the people say, Lord, you are my rock and my salvation. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are deep. You are my rock. In you there is no unrighteousness. Let the people say, Lord, you are my rock and my salvation. Here I am. 
reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, the third chapter. We are actually going to read from the beginning of the chapter, and then we are going to jump down to verse 20. It's actually verse 19b, if you want just a little bit of of education on how to make sure to read the verses. So if a verse is kind of split in half, whereas a, a sentence starts that's still in the verse before, then that actually is verse b. So technically, we're going to read verses one through six, and then we're going to jump down to 19b, 
and then continue on to the end of the chapter. So in case anybody needed a little lesson, there you go. And so if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. And if you're online, of course, type it in. It's always a wonderful thing. I I want to tell you before we start to read that I've had a lot of pastors tell me that they're having a hard time figuring out how to incorporate uh, online worship with in-person worship. But I think those of you you here who have worshipped online, those who are worshipping online right now, I think that people are feeling pretty included if they're online. If you have any more ideas on how we can do that, please let me know. Uh, But it's great that I always go through and read through every single comment that comes through online. To me, it's really important after the services are over. But now, let us read from the Gospel of Mark, the third chapter, starting with verse 1. Again, Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand, And they, meaning the scribes and the Pharisees, watched him, watched Jesus, to see whether he would cure this man on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. And then he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were silent He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against Jesus on how to destroy him. Jump down to 19b. And then Jesus went home. And the crowd came together again so that he could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebul and the ruler of the demons, and he cast out demons. And he called them to him, and he spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. And then, indeed, the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of eternal sin. For they said, he has an unclean spirit. And then Jesus' mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called to him and a crowd was sitting around and they said to Jesus, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is the air I breathe. 
is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. This is my daily This is my daily bread, your very word spoken to me, and I, I'm desperate for you. Amen. Let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we turn to you this morning. Lord, we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless us with your peace. Bless us with your presence. Bless us as we worship you today. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. 
So let's take just a moment to kind of go over what we just read, because we read a lot there. I grabbed from the beginning of the chapter and then from the end of the chapter, because I wanted to give us a good understanding of Jesus' relationship with the scribes and the Pharisees. Oh, the scribes and the Pharisees. You know, the scribes and the Pharisees, I think that they wanted to be known forever. I think that they wanted to be known, but I don't know if they wanted to be known forever in this way. Whenever we think of the name scribes and Pharisees, do we think good thoughts or not. No, when you think of scribes and Pharisees, I mean, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were the ones who were the most legalistic. It was the scribes' job to copy down all of the scrolls, and it was the Pharisees' job to be the keeper of the laws of Moses. And so the scribes and the Pharisees were the most legalistic of all of the religious elite. They were the ones who took it upon themselves to judge whether something was right or something was wrong according to the laws of Moses. And the scribes and the Pharisees did not like Jesus. Why did they not like Jesus? Well, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that there was some jealousy rooted in the reason for why they did not like Jesus. I mean, look at Jesus compared to the Pharisees. Jesus saw himself as one of the people, and he would always be among the crowds. Jesus would always be with the people and among the crowds and associating with, associated with people who were otherwise deemed as lowly, whereas the scribes and the Pharisees always wanted to see themselves as better than and more than everyone else. But Jesus was never afraid to be right down and among all of the people. And Jesus, he had the power to heal people. And he didn't only have that power to heal people, but he also gave his disciples. If we read the whole entire third chapter, you'd see that he also gave his disciples the power to heal people. So the Pharisees, the only powers that they have are to judge. And they usually would judge, you know, if something's wrong with Lori's child, they're going to judge, well, did the child sin or did Lori sin. That's how they basically judged everything, even though sometimes things just happen. Sometimes there's no need to be a judge, but that's how the Pharisees and the scribes worked. And yet Jesus had the power to heal people. So I think that there was some serious jealousy going on there. Jesus was also full of compassion. And he, it's something that I think is, is often missed. And I read through a whole bunch of different commentaries and everything this week. And something that I think is missed when we get to the end of this chapter, which you guys can read over it again if you want, or you can even open up right now. When we get to the end of that chapter, when Jesus tells the crowds that they are his mother and his brother and his sister, when Jesus speaks to the crowds, this is really amazing. And a lot of people actually miss the importance of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is speaking to the crowds. He is a man speaking to people down and among the crowds and talking to people, and he's even talking to the women. He's talking to the women, and he looks at the women, and he says, you, you are my sister. You, you are my mother. You are all family to me. Now, this might not sound super shocking to us today because, of course, we can look at each other and say, hello, brothers and sisters, and it all sounds wonderful. But back then, it was different. Back then, a man would not speak to a woman unless that woman was his sister or his daughter or his wife if they were in public. A man would not just go around speaking to another woman. And even if a man is speaking to a woman, they would, or if the, which he could do if the husband was near, a lot of times he, he still wouldn't. He would turn and he would speak to the husband instead. So for Jesus to get down among the people, to speak to women, to talk to women, and to say, you are my sister. 
and my mother. Do you know how much that meant to those women? Do you know how important that was to all of them? And then as he looked at the crowds and he, and he saw men who had been deemed as outcasts for one reason or another, and he looked at them and he said, you are my brother. He's saying, all of you are family to me. At a time where the scribes and the Pharisees were so legalistic and so judgmental, when Jesus looked around and said, you are family, I don't think that we fully understand the magnitude of what Jesus was saying. And I'll tell you, I think that there's plenty of theologians that get it wrong when they look at this text. I think that they miss the importance of the fact that Jesus was calling the crowds his mother and his sisters and his brothers. It was profound. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they didn't like Jesus. They didn't like Jesus at all. Jesus was exactly the opposite of them. Jesus had power, and yet he lowered himself to be among the people, and it made the scribes and the Pharisees look heartless. And you want to know why? Because they were heartless. Jesus, we even learned that Jesus was angered by the, by the coldness of the hearts of the scribes and the Pharisees. And then in this interaction, in the first interaction that we read, we notice that there's a man with a withered hand who comes into the synagogue. And this is always such like a profound story to read. Now we can imagine that this man may have had cerebral palsy or something. Something had happened. But this, this man was probably judged his whole entire life and probably not able to work and, and not able to do certain things all because of this hand. And when this man walks into the synagogue, he walks in just to worship. He walks in just to, to worship God. And the scribes and the Pharisees are standing there in judgment. They have no problem judging this man because they look at this man and they say, oh, well, either he sinned or his parents sinned. We don't need to have compassion for him. This man they deemed as a sinner, and so they didn't need to have compassion for him. And then they, as Jesus is standing there and this man with a withered hand comes in, the scribes and the Pharisees are looking at Jesus because they know what Jesus is going to do. They know that Jesus is going to, to heal this man. But Jesus, he, he's also divine, and so he knows the thoughts that are going through the minds of the scribes and the Pharisees. And so Jesus knows that the scribes and the Pharisees are trying to jump on Jesus the second that he heals this man because it's the Sabbath and you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath and healing is, is included under the, the guise of work. And so he knew that the scribes and the Pharisees were watching him, ready to jump on him the moment that he healed this man. But I love, love, love how Jesus always out-Pharisees the Pharisees. He always outsmarts the Pharisees, and Jesus sees this man, this man who has been deemed a sinner by the scribes and the Pharisees, this man who has been without uh, compassion, yet nobody's treated this man with compassion, and Jesus sees this man, and he has compassion for him, and he knows that, that he wants to heal this man. He knows that he wants to change this man's life, but he also knows what the scribes and the Pharisees are thinking. And I love this. I love what Jesus says. This is the verse that's been going through my mind all week long. Jesus looks at the scribes and the Pharisees and he says, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save life or to kill? Jesus says, we have this man right here. I can heal him. Is it lawful, according to those of you scribes and Pharisees, is it lawful to do good or to do harm? And they refuse to 
answer. And so Jesus heals the man. And then in our next interaction, we see massive crowds gathering around Jesus. And this is interesting. I actually love how Mark gives us even more details than we get in some of the other Gospels about this interaction, because usually Mark is known for his brevity. But Mark explains to us that Jesus' family is actually getting a little frustrated with Jesus here. It's because this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and his family is just trying to sit down and to eat a meal. You know, they just want to sit down and eat some dinner. But Jesus' popularity has become so so great that crowds of people are just swarming around wanting to get to Jesus, wanting to touch Jesus, wanting to be healed by Jesus. And so Jesus' family, his, his actual mother and brothers and sisters are getting really annoyed. They're like, man, Jesus, everywhere we go, there's all these crowds of people who are following you around. Everywhere that we go, we cannot find any peace because everybody just swarms around you. And so the family gets a little annoyed because they're human and, and they just want to sit down and they just want to eat some dinner you know there's no judgment on the family here but all these crowds come swarming around they come swarming around the house and Jesus of course this is Jesus he has compassion on them he doesn't care about what he needs to eat or whatever, but he has compassion and he, and he goes out and he starts to heal the people. All these people that are coming to him, he, he heals them. And then we learn more about the scribes, these scribes who, who love to be the judges, the scribes who, who love to be accusatory. The scribes come down and they see Jesus healing people in ways that has never been possible before. He sees people, they see people, Jesus healing people who were who born with these ailments be healed. They see Jesus healing people in remarkable and tremendous ways. And what do they do? What do they call Jesus? They call him Beelzebul. Now, does anybody, I didn't tell you guys this in Bible study this week, does anybody know what Beelzebul actually means? You may have read a book with the name, Lord of the Flies. Isn't that interesting? It's a little fun fact for you. Beelzebul actually means the Lord of the Flies. Now, did anybody here actually read that book in school? Okay, some of you. Trevor said he did. We never had to read that book in, in our school. Uh, but Although he said he admitted he may have only read the Cliff Notes. He's like, I don't know if I read the actual book or only the Cliff Notes. But I, I'm pretty sure that there's some kind of scary twist. There's murder and all that stuff in that book. It's an interesting kind of book written a long time ago. But, but Lord of the Flies, that, that gives us like a scary name, a scary meaning. And of course it does because Beelzebul was, was the name of an, of an evil demon. And, and here the scribes, they see Jesus heal people, and what do they do? They call him evil. They see Jesus heal people, and they say, he's doing this. We don't approve of him. He must be evil. They see someone who is doing something differently than they do, somebody who is healing people, and they, they call him evil. Since when is healing someone an act of evil? Since when could Jesus in any way be called evil? But then this gets, there's so much that I could talk about today, so I'm trying to kind of cover a bunch of things. But then, so it's really interesting how I find how, how this is like the one line that Jesus just kind of can't handle. Jesus is like, you can sin in any way. You can mess up in any way, but the one sin that you scribes and you Pharisees should not commit is sinning against the Holy Spirit. And when they call Jesus evil, 
When they call the Son of God evil, they are sinning against the Holy Spirit. And that is something that Jesus says is just unforgivable. Okay, so now I kind of talked to you about everything that we just read. (laughs) Bible study moment of the sermon. Now, what does that mean to us today? Hopefully, and I want you guys, go home and read over this text again. Go, even if you read it with us in Bible study, go home and read over it again. It, it's good to study the Bible, I promise. It's always a good and a wonderful thing. But what can we learn from this text? What can we learn from this interaction of Jesus with the scribes and, and Jesus with the Pharisees? What can we learn? Well, well, let's think about it. Jesus, we learn in the story, is full of love and compassion. Jesus is the one who calls crowds his brothers and sisters. Jesus is the one who heals. The scribes and the Pharisees are the ones who are angry and they're judgmental. And they also call people names, Beelzebul. It's not very nice to call people names. You know, what, what's going on here? And, and they're just so cold-hearted. So we have Jesus on the one hand, and we have the scribes and the Pharisees on the other hand. Who do you think we should be more like? <laughs> it's, it's an easy question, isn't it? Who should we be more like? Should we be more like Jesus, who always errs on the side of compassion? Should we be more like Jesus who always sees others as brothers and sisters and loves others, even those who have been judged, even those who have been outcast, even those who have been deemed unworthy or unholy or anything? Should we be more like Jesus or should we be more like the scribes and the Pharisees who love to judge other people, who love to get up on their high horse and who love to to deem other people as sinners? Who should we be more like? Jesus, you guys can answer, I promise. It's an actual question. We should always be more like Jesus. Now, this sounds so simple, doesn't this? This sounds, you're like, if this was a test, I would ace this test. This sounds like the most simple thing in the world. And yet, when we put it into action, is it really that simple? Now, I'm going to tell you that this month, I mean, there's rainbow colors everywhere because it's Pride Month, and I love it. It's like, now we're finally at the year 2021, and, and people are really becoming so much more accepting and welcoming. But not everybody. There are still some people who are so full of judgment. There are still some people that are so full of of hatred. I mean, it kind of just breaks my heart. And the thing that breaks my heart even more is that the families that are often the least accepting are often those that are religious. Families that can be the least accepting of people who come out as LGBTQ are so often the religious families. And doesn't that break your heart? Do you want to know why it breaks my heart so very much? Is because that means that our religious people are acting more like who? Scribes and the Pharisees. And less like who? Jesus. Doesn't this break your heart? Just to give you some not-so-fun facts at all, do you know that LGBTQ youth are in some places, 10% of them commit or attempt suicide. I shouldn't say commit. 10% of them suicide. How high is that? That's such a high. Sorry not to break your hearts, but it's the beginning of this month, and it just breaks my heart because I think about it. So many Christians, so many people who, who are Christian and religious people, they choose to be more like the scribes and Pharisees and less like Jesus, and then they become so judgmental, so judgmental to the fact that they don't even accept their own children. And am I alone in that breaking my heart? 
I don't think I am. Give me a little wave of the hand if that breaks your heart. Is anybody here among with me? I think so that that just breaks our hearts that people can be so judgmental and they're judgmental in the name of their faith. So here's the thing. I want us to think about this. And I've been thinking about this a lot this week. We can choose every action, every step of our lives. We can choose if we're going to be more like Jesus, if we are going to be compassionate, if we are going to be loving, if we are going to to love people as our siblings and our parents. We can choose if we're going to be loving or we can choose if we're going to be judgmental every step of the day. One is more like Jesus. The other is more like the scribes and Pharisees. What if in every single one of our interactions we stopped and we thought that way? What if in every single one of our interactions, we stopped and we thought, am I being more like Jesus or am I being more like the scribes and Pharisees? Am I doing good or am I doing harm? Am I saving a life or am I killing a life? Imagine if we just paused to ask ourselves that question, wouldn't it change the way that we acted in this world? Wouldn't this place, especially all people who are religious, be such a more loving place? Anybody agree with me? You guys are seeming so quiet. Okay, here, one more thing. I gave you some sad news. I want to end with a happy news, with some happy, a happy story. Now, yesterday, I, I heard from Karen Baker. Some of you guys may have seen. She posted this on, on Facebook, this little story, but I asked her if I could share this story. Yesterday, Karen Baker, who's one of our church members, got into a car accident. You know, super sad. There are so many car accidents, by the way, lately. I think people forgot how to drive during the pandemic, so please drive carefully. That's not in my sermon. Anyways, so Karen got into a car accident. She had her three grandkids in the in her truck with her. They were going to have this wonderful day planned, and then bam, they got into a car accident that wasn't their fault. It was the other person's fault. And of course, this car accident happened, and at first, Karen was angry. You know, another car just hit her. She had her three grandkids. Everybody was okay. So of course, at first, she was angry. But then she, she got out of the car, but before she got out of the car, she decided to take a deep breath, and she decided to leave her anger in the car, and, and she went, and she went over to this woman who had caused this accident, and this woman was an older woman, and she was so remorseful, and by the way, her car was totaled, and she was so remorseful, and she felt terrible, especially when she realized that Karen had three grandkids in the car, and so this woman felt terrible. Now, here's what Karen could have done. Karen could have been like the scribes and the Pharisees. Karen could have started being extremely judgmental and gone up and down with the how dare you and la-di-da-di-da. You could have done this. She could have been like that. She could have caused more harm. But do you know what our sister in Christ did? Do you want to know what our sister in Christ did if you don't know already? She went over and she gave that woman a hug. That woman was broken from what she did. So, so Karen went over and she held that woman and she loved on that woman and she spiritually took care on that woman until the police came and the police handled everything and, and they took care of all of that. But, but Karen loved this woman because she knew even though she was angry in that moment, she had a choice. Was she going to do good or was she going to do harm? Was she going to make matters worse or was she going to make matters better? And our church member, I get so pastor proud when this happens sometimes, our church member was a beloved sister in Christ to this woman. Every day of our lives, there's always interactions where we get to stop and think, am I going to do more good or am I going to do more harm? 
Every day in our lives, there are so many interactions when we can look around and we can hear that voice of Jesus say, is it right to do good in this situation or is it right to do harm in this situation? Every time somebody comes to us in need, we can look and we can say, can we do good here or should we do harm? We can ask ourselves this question again and again and again. So that's what we can learn from this text. And you know what, friends? When we choose to do good, the Holy Spirit lives within us. When we choose to do good, the Holy Spirit is alive in us. And isn't that what we want? Again, not a rhetorical question. Man, you guys are so quiet in this service. Isn't that what we want? And let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we turn to you today because we want to do more good in this world. We turn to you today because we want to be more loving. We turn to you today, Lord, because we want to be more like Jesus and less like those who spew judgment. Lord, we want to be more like Jesus and less like those who are angry. We want to be more like Jesus and less like those who cause harm. So, Lord, fill us with your love on this day. Fill us with your compassion. Bless us and enable us to do more and more good in this world. Help us, Lord, to be more like Jesus. And we pray this and every name through the power of the Holy Spirit and the name of Jesus, our Savior. And together we say, Amen. Let us now worship God with our morning tithes and offerings. Um, you can give online by going to the church's website, or there is a basket in the back of the sanctuary. Thank you. Give thanks to the grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his Son. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done. Let us pray together. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Come, you who are weary and restless. Come, all who hunger and thirst. We are ready. Creating God, source of all our being in all the earth, we thank you and we praise you for the gift of life. 
We thank you for calling us to obedience and for sending us Jesus to show us how to live. Jesus, our Savior, we praise you for the glory of redemption. It was you who suffered the world's pain so that we may live. We celebrate the Holy Spirit, our sustainer, who carries us through life with the love and the strength of the Lord, and we join in your unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We, great, we join in your unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I 100% realize I just made you guys say that twice. I'm multitasking a little bit too much over here. And we gratefully recall and remember Christ's birth as one of us, Christ's baptism as a sin, Christ's compassion for our suffering, Christ's intimacy with our frailty, Christ bearing the cross with its death, and Christ rising from the tomb by the power of God. It was Jesus who took the bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, Jesus also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so we affirm the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Consecrate, therefore, by your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine. Bless us that as we receive them, we may offer you our faith and our praise. We may be united with Christ and with one another, and we may be strengthened by the Holy Spirit to continue faithfully as disciples in your world. And let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Through the broken bread we participate in the body of Christ. Through the cup of blessing we participate in the newness of life. Friends, this is the final Sunday that we will receive communion via these to-go communion cups. Next uh, month, we will resume regular communion, but you are welcome to take this communion with you. We will have it at the back of the sanctuary. You are welcome to take this with you as you leave and to take it in the parking lot. a table in your presence where the weary are restored, where the bread is broken for us and the cup of life is poured. 
Savior, I come, quiet my soul, remember, redemption's hill, where your blood was filled, for my ransom, everything I once held dear, I count it all as lost, lead me to the cross where your love poured out. To my knees, Lord, and lay me down. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Oh, lead me, lead me to the cross. 
Now go forth with the blessing of God. Go forth with the love of Christ. Go forth being more like Jesus and less like the scribes and Pharisees. Go forth in love, doing good, and be blessed.